Two weeks from today will be Easter Sunday, and I want you to be thinking and praying through who you can uh, invite. We'll have a lot of people in here, but we'll have room for more. Um, Easter changes everything, and the, the story of Easter has changed everything for many of us, and there's people all around this area that need to hear that story as well. Uh, let's be packed on Easter Sunday. Uh, think about family, think about friends, think about neighbors that need a, a invitation. Uh, we've got 5,000 postcards going out into Xenia area, and we will hit uh, 5,000 homes in, in, in the Xenia area, and we're doing a little bit from the church end of that. But the major outreach program any church has is, is her people inviting people to church. We can do all kinds of activities and all kinds of trunk or treats and all that kind of thing, but the number one outreach, the number one people, way people come to church is when their friends and family invite them. So March 31st is Easter this year, and I pray you'd be thinking and praying through the family and friends that you would like to be able to join us uh, on that day. If you are um, visiting with us Today, you may not know that we're in a, ser- a sermon series titled, I Give Up. This is the season of Lent. Uh, it's the season that we remember Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. And so because of that, many people give up things for Lent. And if we've been asking the question and talking about from Scripture, what are some things maybe more important than chocolate or maybe more important than soda pop that God wants us to give up? that have a more spiritual impact upon us uh, than maybe some of those other things that we give up. And today uh, is the fifth of those messages. And as I was preparing those, I think really the genesis of this this sermon probably started uh, back probably a dozen years ago when I first read this quote. Uh, Jeff, do we have that quote from A.W. Tozer? A.W. Tozer is a pastor uh, of, of old, theologian of old, an author of old, and um, uh, very well respected in the evangelical community for the work that he's done uh, predominantly in the Christian, Christian Missionary Alliance Church. Um, Christianity at any given time is strong or weak depending on her, on her concept of God. And I insist upon this, and I've said it many times, that the basic trouble with the church today is her unworthy concept of God. What is your concept of God? Because your concept of God determines everything. And after 17, almost 18 years now as a pastor and in the counseling room, I have come against this many times, that the problems in many people's life was that their concept of God was wrong. They had a concept of God that they somehow maybe have conjured up in their own mind or a concept of God that is some kind of folk theology, but not the God that the Bible refers to us as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And most of the time when when we have a faulty concept of God, I've not found it to be that our God is too big. I found it to be that our God is too small. And many things that have come to me in the counseling room, many problems that people come to me with, it's, it's symptomatic of a small God. 
is symptomatic of a God that is, is, is not big enough or biblically as big as he, ref, as he has revealed himself to be. So this morning in our fifth in our series of messages, I want to encourage you this morning to uh, uh, give up your small God. To, to give up your small God and let's worship a God that's as big as he has revealed himself to be. This, this, this small God reveals itself in a lot of ways. Uh, if you have a lot of fear and anxiety in, in, in your life, a lot of fear and anxiety, your, your God may be too small to, to, to help calm you and help you go through the difficulties of life. After all, he's told us, you know, don't worry, I've got you covered on the necessities of life. Sometimes when people are, are struggling with fear and anxiety, it may be symptomatic of a poor concept of God. It may be symptomatic of, of a God who, who is too small. Some people think their life may be mundane and routine and they don't have a, a God that they're on a journey with. They don't have a God that can be able to use them for, 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 for big things and thus their life seems mundane and their life seems routine. Some people think the challenges of life just kind of overwhelm them. The normal everyday challenges that, that we all have to meet, for some people those challenges are just overwhelming and they close within themselves and I wonder if they have a small God if they limit God, if they somehow put him in a box and don't believe that God can help them meet those, those, those challenges that they deal with in their everyday life. I've heard people say things like, well, God could never use me. They have a small God. They have a small God who, through this word and through the experiences of life, use all kinds of different people all kinds of different people. Have you ever heard anybody in church say, oh, we've never really done that, done that that way before? <laughs> we've never really done it that way before. That could be symptomatic of a small God who, who only operates in our little box, or our little way that we've understood church for 20 or 30 years and the way we do church and our ministries in our church. And, and that could be symptomatic of a God that's not big enough, a God that has not been revealed as big as he is in all of Scripture because you know we've never really done that before. And that could be very symptomatic of a God that we've limited, a God that we've put in a box. Some people say when they get their finances a little more in order, they're going to be able to honor God with their giving, and that's thinking is a symptom of a small God. And they somehow think that they have to get their finances in order, and they have to be able to, to make it work in their budget and not be able to trust God to do more than we could ever do with our finances. I have to get it all in order, then I really will start honoring God with the first fruits, and that's symptomatic of, of a God I put in a box, a God that works within my parameters, a God that, that I've limited, a God that, that may be too small. I can, remember, I can remember one lady in particular in the church that I've pastored that 
her God was just there to put a fortress around her family, to keep her family from the realities of life and the difficulties of life. And friends, I say, if, if you're thinking of God is just there to protect me and, and keep me from the realities of 2013 living, then, then, then your God is, 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 is too small because he's big enough to thrust you out there and, and help you to be able to deal with those things and, 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 and for you to glorify him through the dealings of the everyday difficulties. If your God always says come and never says go, your God is too small. If he always says come but never really says go, that's a limited God. That's a God you put in your little box. That's a God who is too small. Now we get these gods in all kinds of different places. We conjure these gods up in our, 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 our mind. We may have been handed down these gods by our mom or our dad. And things that we were handed down from my mom, our mom and our dad are very difficult for us to be able to, to shake. They, they may have been handed down to us by some pastor, I'm sure a well-meaning pastor, or some well-meaning evangelist that used to come to church all the time, or, or some well-meaning church or denomination that... that that you were in, and we get these wrong concepts of God. And more times than not, it's a God that's too small. It's a God that we have limited. What could God do in my life? And what could God do in your life? What could God do in our life as Xenia Nazarene if we take the gloves off, if we take him out of our box, if, 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 if we don't limit him, if, if we... Make him as big as he has biblically revealed himself to be. What could God do in your life? What could God do in my life? What could God do with your kids, your family, your career? What could God do in our church? You look down through Xenia Nass history and we've, had, we've hit a barrier of 500 people and we can't bust through it. And I don't know why, and I don't know if anybody knows why, and, but I wonder if we just don't have a vision for being a church of six and seven and 800 people. I wonder if, if, our, if, if our boxes that we put God in is, is, is a, a, a 400 and 500-person church. There's so many stories in Scripture I could be able to go to. And and to be able to show you how God's people many times have limited him. How God's people many times have, have, have made him too small. But I think one of my favorites is found in, in the book of 1 Samuel. It's, it's about David before David was King David and before David was David and Goliath. It's about David when, when David was just, uh, just a little shepherd boy, probably 14 or 15 years of age. Um, Saul, King Saul had displeased God, and, and um, God was going to reject him as the king. And the prophet in those days was Samuel. 
Samuel was the prophet. Samuel was uh, the man who heard from God. Samuel was the man who spoke the words of God. They didn't have, they couldn't go to family Christian bookstore and buy all kinds of Bibles with all different translations. They, they needed prophets to speak to them. And that's why many times in Scripture, the prophets will say, thus saith the Lord, because they're actually speaking the words of God that God wanted communicated to his people. And so God told the prophet Samuel, he says, I'm, I'm going to reject Saul as king because he's displeased me. We're going to find a, a, a new king, and I want you to go to the house of Jesse in Bethlehem. And, I, and, and, and at this house of Jesse, on one of Jesse's sons, you're going to find the next king of Israel. And so Samuel goes off to, to Bethlehem, and he comes to Bethlehem, and he sees Jesse's sons there, and Jesse had a large family, eight sons, and he, he sees the oldest son that the Bible records to us and says that he's his oldest, and his name is, uh, is Eliab, and, he sa- and Samuel sees Eliab, and he says, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the Lord's anointed. I don't know what Eliab looked like. He, he must have been tall because of some things we see down in a few scriptures later. He, he, he must have been a, a really handsome uh, appearance and been a, a, an impressive figure. And so Samuel comes and says, Wow, surely, surely this is the Lord's anointed. Surely this is the one that the Lord has wants to anoint as the next king of Israel. But God spoke to him and says, no, that's not him. And he speaks to him in these words. Do we have 1 Samuel 16, verse 7? Uh, I tell you what, if I wrote 17, I meant 7. Can you get 1 Samuel 6, 7 up there real quick? 16, 7. And if you can't get it there real quick, I can read it to you pretty quickly. 1 Samuel 16, verse 7. And some of you already know the one that I'm going to. But the Lord said to Samuel, after he looked at Eliab and says, Surely this must be the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. So he must have looked really good. He must have been tall. And, and it's, it's, no, it's no... We can't really doubt or fault Samuel too much because, you know, the first king of Israel, Saul, the Bible says what? He was a head taller than anybody else in all of Israel. So in, in, in Samuel's little box, he had God in that the king of Israel was always going to be this really tall guy, really impressive in stature. Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Here, here was the prophet Samuel who, who, who had been walking with God for a long time and seen God do a lot of things and God had used him to do a lot of things, but he still had God in a box. He still was making God too small. He still was limiting God and thinking that this next king of Israel has to be this tall, impressive-looking figure. Well, God says it's not this one. And Samuel must have gone back down through the road through all the, the boys, and didn't, God didn't speak to him about any of them. And, and he turns to Jesse, Samuel does, and said, Did you have any other sons? You know, Did, Is there any back in the back anywhere? Because none of them is here. And he says, Well, there, 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 is, there is one. He's out tending sheep, which 
And, and he's the youngest, and the Hebrew there literally says, this is interesting, the Hebrew literally says there, the runt of the litter. The runt of the litter. But I, I, I do have one, he's out tending sheep, but, you know, but he's the runt of the litter. And, and Samuel says, I will not sit down until you bring him to me. So, here comes David before he's David and Goliath, and before he's King David, he's just a shepherd boy. And here comes David, and he walks towards Samuel, and God speaks to him and says, you need to anoint this guy right here. He is my chosen one. How out of the box that must have been. 14, 15 years of age. He's a kid compared to his brothers here. How out of the box, how much bigger God must have become, or even maybe that, that, that Samuel even doubted God maybe in, in, some, in some way, and, and how he thought, wow, God, you, this one? This one? How many times I, I wonder if we limit God and feel like he's got to work this way, or he can only work this way, or can only work through this person, or only work through this type of person. My goodness, if, if Samuel can put God in a box, I can too, and so can you. And I think God wants me to be able to come here today just to remind us all to give up our small God, to give up our little God, to not put him in a box. To not limit him in any way. And let God be that strong God that we just sung about. That mighty God that we just sung about. That awesome God that we just sung about. If you ever hear, if you ever hear God say that you're too old, well, that's, that's, that's not from the Lord. That's either from the enemy or your flesh. Because the big God uses Abraham and Sarah when they were beyond their childbearing years to birth the whole nation of Israel. The whole nation of Israel. If you ever hear a voice that says you're too guilty, that's either the enemy or just your faulty thinking, maybe a little bit of both. And, and you're not worshiping and, and believing in the God who's big enough to use Rahab, the prostitute. To use Rahab, the prostitute. If you hear voices and think thoughts like, like you're too fearful or, or, or what would happen, then, then your God may be too small and you're not remembering the biblical God who looked down to Gideon who was hiding because of fear. <laughs> Maybe hiding because he was afraid God was going to pick him. And th this fearful man, what does God say? Gideon, mighty warrior. Do you hear those thoughts? Do you hear those thoughts? They, they, they could be coming from the enemy of our souls. They could be coming from your faulty thinking. They're, they could be coming from some teaching that you've heard wrong, but whatever, it's a false concept of God. 
It's a God who's too small. It's a God that is in a box that only uses people of a certain age that look a certain way, that act a certain way. This service, we may not have too much difficulty with this, but uh, sometimes people, we hear about a God that's too young. But it's the God that took a little teenage girl and said, she's going to be the mother of my son. That's the biblical God. That's the biblical God. That's how big he is. That's how strong he is. That's, that's how awesome that our God is. He could use a sinful tax collector named Matthew. He could use an old loudmouth, crusty, rough, uneducated fisherman like Peter. He could use one who persecuted Christians like Saul. If there was anyone in first century Jerusalem who people would have thought would have been too something for God to use. It would have been Paul, Saul then of Tarsus, who was going around persecuting Christians, had papers in his hands. He was going to Damascus to persecute some more. And God just blows people's box away. God just comes out and says, don't limit me. I'm bigger than that. You just look at, look at our staff here at this church. Look at our staff here at this church. You've got Greg Parkman, our campus pastor. And some of you know his background and some of you don't. But Greg used to take swing at cops. Greg was, Greg was as rough as Xenia can produce. And now he's an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene doing a great job pastoring our Riverside campus. Friends, we cannot limit God. And and we have to give up making him too small. Look at Mac. How many of you knew Mac before Mac was Pastor Mac? Okay. Did you ever imagine him an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene and being on staff at Xenia Church of the Nazarene, you, I, that, that, that may have blown your mind. Blown your mind. Scott Porter was a high school dropout. He's got a master's degree. He's got a doctor of ministry degree. You don't know the story of Diane and Bruce Solberg, our children's pastor and her husband, but they were far from God, far from God. Wouldn't have thought that one day that Diane would have been a children's pastor and their life was turned upside down when they met God at a revival. And I've told you many times, I haven't told you much about it because I just don't want it, but... 
I was 34 before I came to God, and there's a lot of water under the bridge. A lot of water under the bridge. I guarantee you, for people that I used to carouse with at Lafayette High School and ride in the back seat of my 67 Cutlass with and drink beer with and go around the streets and take baseball bats and knock post office, knock mailboxes down and all that kind of stuff. What Much, much worse than that. Now I'm standing in as a pastor of a church. Give up your picture of your small God that says you're to this or to that or to this or to that or not this or not that or not that or not uh, don't look like that or don't look like that or don't look that or can't talk like that or can't talk like this or can't talk like that. God does not judge on outward appearances. He judges the heart. And he saw something in that little 14 or 15-year-old shepherd that says he can be a king. He can be a king. I don't know future staff members of this church uh, what they could be doing right now. (laughs) You know, we hope to have Brandon for another 20 years, but, uh, you know, one of these days he's going to take another position somewhere and the next worship leader at at Xenia Naz could be some hip-hop artist right now singing lyrics that we would not sing in church. Next children's pastor at Xenia Naz could be managing some abortion clinic right now. Next discipleship pastor, Xenia Naz, is, is in front of you in traffic, and he's got a Darwin's little fish on the back of his car. Next senior pastor of this church, for all we know, is passed out drunk in a fraternity house right now. And we believe that. We believe that if we believe in a big God. We believe that. We can comprehend that. We can say amen to that if we give up our little view of a small God who fits inside, who fits inside my little box. If your God is a Republican or your God is a Democrat, you got a small God. If your God is a white guy, you got a small God. If your God wears a three-piece suit, you have a small God. If your God loves Americans more than he loves North Koreans, you have a small God. If your God is Nazarene, Baptist, Methodist, Lutheran, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, whatever, you have a small God. Listen, 
if your God agrees with you all the time, you have a small God. You've put him in your box. The little box that you can understand. The little box that you were raised that way. You put him in that little box. My box got a lot larger in 1998. I'm thinking hard on what the, where I went for that conference, and it was somewhere in Georgia. But we went into that conference, and I registered for that conference, and I looked up, and I saw this big, long-haired, stringy, greasy hair down to here, and blue jeans with holes in them before it was cooled. You buy them with holes in them now, but I mean, had his wallet with a big chain hanging down here. And I said, well, who in the world is that bird? He was one of the presenters at the conference. He had a church of 200 people that looked just like him. That looked just like him. And God got a good bit bigger for me that day. I really think that God wanted me to come here today and tell you that to, to give up your small God. Don't limit him. Don't put him in a box. Make him as big as he reveals himself to be. And that's pretty big. Pretty big. Let's pray. Father God, we all have our understanding of you, and, and I hope that as we continue to teach and preach and as we all continue to grow in the Lord, that that becomes more of a biblical view of, of who you are. Not any view that has been conjured up by my mom or my dad or my Sunday school teacher or, or an evangelist or a pastor or a denomination, but the one that is totally formed by the way you've chosen to reveal yourself in your word. And when we look at you that way, Father, you are a big God. And Father, in two weeks we'll celebrate that you're bigger than death itself. And I pray for each one of us here that we won't limit you. And I, I, know, I know sometimes the temptation is, well, I don't want to limit God, but we kind of don't limit him for anyone else, but we limit him for ourselves. And I pray for each of us here, no matter if we're young or if we're older, that we will worship you and who you are, a big God, and you will be able to do what you want to do. And there's no too old, there's no too guilty, there's no don't look that way, don't have that education. I pray for us as a church that we won't limit you in any way. And whatever you put on our hearts to do, that that we'll do that even if we've never done that before or even if it's kind of out of the Nazarene box or even if it's not in the budget. So God, may we be a people. May we be a people that don't put you in a box. 
May we be a people that can sing with pure hearts that you are an awesome God and a strong God and a mighty God. Father, we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.